0: Okay, everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is Pat Flynn. I am the host of Philosophy for the People, and today we are going to discuss substance dualism. I have two experts, experts indeed, with me, Dr. Stuart Getz and Dr. Charles. I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce it right away after you just told me how.
1: Tol- <laughs> Oliver with a T, Oliver in this country, but... As I say, internationally, I go by Talia Farrow.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for the assistance. It is wonderful to be joined by the two of you. Like I said, I've been familiar with your work for a while. This is the first opportunity I've had to have a conversation with you. You both um, contributed uh, together to a recent volume called Minding the Brain, and your contribution is on substance dualism. So I'm excited to explore this with you, to give a brief history of the soul, to explain what substance dualism is look at some of the motivations for it, consider some of the objections against it, and whatever else comes up along the way, I'm sure we'll have a good time. So thank you both for joining me. Thank you. So before we get into it, um, I'm sure it would be helpful to have just a brief uh, introduction by way of biography for both of you. So um, Stuart, if you wouldn't mind, let's let's begin with you. I'd love to hear just how you got into philosophy in general and specifically what brought you uh, to philosophy of mind.
2: Yeah, like many, I probably got initially interested in uh, philosophy through philosophy of religion. Many, many, too many years ago now, I had a a tutor, actually, uh, that convinced me one couldn't do uh, good philosophy of religion without doing philosophy of mind, and uh, what's called philosophy of action, which is questions about freedom, determinism, and... uh, Rightly or wrongly, I believed him, and, uh, and I, I got very interested in philosophy of mind and uh, questions of freedom of the will, and uh, I ended up pretty much focusing on those issues and uh, only kind of in recent years have gone back more towards philosophy of religion. So it was largely a tutor who had a, a huge impact on me and uh, persuaded me, that uh, I needed to do philosophy of mind and uh, philosophy of action in order to do good philosophy of religion.
0: Yeah, well, great. Sometimes you you hear that when it comes to philosophy, to ask one question is ultimately to ask all the questions. That's so right, yeah. you, can't, you can't help but you know, yeah. hop from one subject area to another. So great, very good. Charles, how about you?
1: Well, I'll make this a little personal because the, the reason why I got into philosophy was I had – three really dominating older brothers who were constantly (laughs) exploitive. And um, what what I found in philosophy uh, as a teenager reading Will Durant's The Story of Philosophy, kind of a classic in the mid-20th century for beginners, was a context in which uh, you had a non-sarcastic, non-Big Brother kind of exchange where people respected each other's views, the mm. reasons for why they held them, and uh, and so on. So I got, I got into philosophy as a kind of refuge from um, um, what I thought was unfair domination and so on. The reason why I got into philosophy of mind and philosophy of religion was largely um, <clears throat> late high school, early college, and then through my 36 years of teaching at Saint Olaf, and all of them before that at Notre Dame and elsewhere, is um, I found all the central issues that really matter to me about right, wrong, um, the existence of the divine, the transcendent, mm-hmm. whether it makes sense to think about God, the relationship with God, and so on. And then also environmental concerns. I taught and published it in Environmental Ethics for at least 20 years or so. And so... Um, my interest in ethics, the transcendent, and and really the big questions uh, is what really kept me and keeps me in philosophy.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's wonderful, and yes, God and soul are certainly very big, important questions. Ones that I I try to think a lot about myself. So, where I, w- I would like to begin with this conversation is actually. Um, Following the, the, the structure of your article, you do a great job in this article giving a brief history of the soul. And I know you, you two have actually both uh, co-authored another book called uh, The Brief History of the Soul. I think this would be a good starting point. If one of you wouldn't mind taking the lead on this, uh, obviously this will be the truncated version. Uh, but I think it would be helpful for the listeners to have, uh, to have this, this brief history of how thinking about the soul has uh, developed Uh, through the history of philosophy. And then at some point, that'll, of course, bring us uh, to the contemporary debate uh, between dualists and and non-dualists. So, yeah, how's that sound?
2: Well, I, I, you know, in terms of uh, just ordinary people, I think Charles would agree with me here that um, most people, if not all, in some sense, have a a very basic belief in a way that uh, we are things or substances uh, that are separate from our physical bodies and what we know of at least in the western tradition that some of the, the first people really to start and think about this philosophize about this really kind of universal belief for the greeks and uh we find that uh, the first you know person of whom's of whose work we have uh, a lot seemingly is plato and uh plato's uh, student aristotle uh also uh, contributed uh, a work on the soul and uh, when Christianity comes on the scene uh, you you get Christians who are on our telling of the story I think are already believers in the soul but uh, they access the Greek thought about the soul in order to try and explicate their own views and in the in the tradition, the Christian tradition, you'll have uh, largely followers of Plato, the Platonic line of thought, which largely comes down, I think, through Augustine and Descartes is, is uh, a general but fair way to put it. And then the Aristotelian tradition, which its uh, primary spokesman probably in the Christian tradition is uh, Aquinas. When you get to Descartes. Uh, You have somebody who, although he tells us, uh, uh, I believe the beginning of the meditations, he's going to basically use the word mind and soul uh, synonymously. Uh, You get this tradition that starts to think of the mind instead of the soul. Descartes makes a major move intellectually, I think, uh, up until Descartes, most people talked about the soul, took it to be uh, something that not only was separate from the physical body, but also gave life to it. Mm-hmm. And Descartes says, no, we should uh, start to think of the body as a machine. is not something that is given its life through the soul. And so coming out of Descartes, he breaks that connection between the soul and the life-giving uh, power that uh, the soul bestows on the body, and uh, he starts, I think, people start thinking in terms of the mind more than the soul, Right, and uh, it's only, I don't know, Charles, I think fairly recently where we're kind of seeing a resurgence uh, among philosophers and theologians who want to talk about the soul and not think of it uh, so much as something distinct from the mind, but it just is the mind, uh, which Descartes actually said. And just one little note here: uh, in the Christian tradition, particularly among New Testament biblical people scholars, uh, they will constantly, repeatedly, uh, over and over again, they will ascribe the idea of the soul and they uh, to Plato. And they'll say it's a Platonic idea, and there's a move among biblical people uh, to say that, no, this is too much of a Greek idea, and we want to return to a more Hebrew monistic type view of the self, which doesn't include a separable soul. And this is really a bunch of i am got to be careful here what I say—this isn't true— uh, the idea of the soul is universal in nature. Uh, Plato didn't invent the idea of the soul. Mm-hmm. It is not a Greek idea. Uh, he philosophized about the soul, and the Christian tradition accessed his thought about it. But this idea among biblical scholars that the soul is a Greek idea is is, is thoroughly fallacious.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with what Seward is saying, that people make the mistake of thinking that it was Descartes or Plato who began with the concept of mind or soul or substance dualism. But really, um, it's been supposed that, you know, in in certainly in Egypt and China and India and Sanskrit, uh, you have a steady stream of um, at least an intuitive understanding of persons as something of more than the body. And in fact, um, you know the ritual practices of um, burying people with grave goods and so on suggest that even in Neanderthal times there was a the notion of of the person as somehow more than their biological bodies. Um, so I would agree. I agree with all that. I think what might be emphasized is, um, and that Descartes brings out and Augustine as well, is that um, substance dualism and both in terms of common sense and in its philosophical genre, does gain a lot of momentum from our sense of ourselves, our Mm self-awareness as being primitive or basic. It might, for for young children and infants, be something that develops over time, but that you have a kind of um, uh, primary access to uh, knowledge of who you are as an enduring subject over time. And as in the modern era, era which we'll get to, which has a kind of primacy to mind-independent physical things, um, but really the, the dualist tradition is is something that is anchored in a sense of self-awareness that each of us each of us has. Also, we might note that the word dualism is a very uh, recent term. It was mm-hmm. first introduced in the 19th century to describe Zoroastrianism which has a good God and a bad God. So Plato and Descartes, Augustine, and so on, none of them said we're dualists. And in a way, the word dualism seems um, a little awkward in the sense it sounds like there are just two things, whereas really so many thinkers, Plato, for example, believed in a myriad, a plentitude of kinds of things, Mm -hmm. and so on. So um, dualism is... um, yeah, again, it also, as a term, it suggests a kind of bifurcation, that is, to uh, talk with us, is to talk with our bodies, that we are controlling, and so on. Whereas, historically, whether for, you know, Plato, Augustine, you know, this great tradition, um, there's an understanding, certainly Descartes held this, that you weren't in your body like a captain is in a ship. That is, to, to see a person who's functioning properly, and so on, is to actually not see just a machine that a ghost is controlling, but to see an organically unified whole that's functioning as a whole, but it does involve um, the mind or soul as well as bodily life.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really helpful and very clarifying. And I like the way that the two of you have outlined this so far. Uh, If I can just ask a a few more questions just to help uh, gain further clarity before we move specifically to considering motivations for substance dualism and and common objections. You know, when I think of sort of uh, oftentimes Aristotle and and Plato are are pitted against each other or the platonic tradition and the tradition that of course uh, I'm most familiar with, which is, which is Aquinas's. Um, And this is, this itself is a sort of, Part of the debate, like, is hylomorphism a form of dualism, or or is it not? And maybe we can we can get into that a little bit. But when I think of Aristotle, he's got this sort of wider metaphysical system of hylomorphism, like matter formism, right? And he's really kind of he's not really interested in debates in philosophy of mind they were having. He's interested in how do we make sense of change and stuff like that, right? And then he offers his different principles of how we make sense of how things remain the same even though they undergo contingent modifications and stuff like that. And then, of course, Aquinas sort of adopts that, and you know, synthesizes it with with Christian thought, and offers different motivations for it, and even goes beyond Aristotle and argues that there's an aspect of us concerning intellect, specifically, that actually would not suffer from decomposition like the rest of our, our body would. So he thinks it can be extended to the immortality of the human person philosophically as well. So my, I guess that that'd be my first question for for the two of you: Where does hylomorphism fall for both of you? Do you do you see Aristotle is, as, uh, and Aquinas being dualists, or do you not classify them uh, as as dualists? Stuart, maybe we'll start with you. It's <laughs> yeah. a tough question. Uh, I, know, yeah, I know no I matter mean, where you, we uh, land on this, you're going to get people objecting. So I right. didn't yeah, set you up for an easy one. Uh,
2: <laughs> I will make no friends in answering this question that uh, make many enemies. I would be inclined to myself think of Aquinas as what we would today call a substance dualist, although uh, you're going to, I'm going to get vehement protests uh, in opposition to that. But it seems to me that he does recognize the existence of uh, the soul after death, and has the idea of the resurrection of the body, and so there's some kind of, I think, intermediate state there. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it's pretty simple terms here. Uh, Pat, I just think that uh, that would be the idea of a of a soul, uh, mm-hmm. but you're going to have people like Eleanor Stump that'll just say no, 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 it, it's it's not. But those are just very technical debates. Uh, for my purposes, uh, I just I would lump Aquinas in with uh, with substance dualists.
1: Yeah, I'm agreeing with Stuart, especially when um, Aquinas thinks of the soul as Uh, Enduring the um, decomposition of the body. However, um, you know, Aquinas sometimes, uh, I think he does say, the soul is not myself. However, it is the the conduit or the receptor of personal identity. It's what makes you self same and to be resurrected and the like. But Aristotle, uh, you're right. He wasn't primarily he wasn't primarily concerned with philosophy of religion and, and the like. He does have a notion, though, of the intellect, mm-hmm. which does admit of some kind of a hint or suggestion of something indestructible. But you do see, historically, among Aristotelians, especially among the Arabs and, well, Persians or Iranians uh, thinkers, Al-Farabi, Avicenna, and so on, Uh, For those heavily influenced by Aristotle, there is a real um, hesitancy about affirming the individual identity of persons after death. Now, in uh, Islam, Sunni, and and, uh, Shia, they do believe in an individual uh, dynamic afterlife and the like, but um, the Aristotelian framework of hylomorphism does uh, challenge that. Now, I would say today, Some hylomorphists, self-described, are prepared to consider themselves dualists, like uh, J.P. Moreland, for example, uh, subscribes to a a, kind of a version of hylomorphism. Mm -hmm. Um, My own um, inclination is to think that that he's... um, is not necessarily wrong. I'm, I'm not Humpty Dumpty. Like you control the meaning of the words, but <laughs> I do think that it's it's perhaps one of the way Moreland and some other um, contemporary Thomas are trying to insist on the integrity of the mind body relationship. That it's it's not this radical uh, bifurcation, but we should treat each other as, in a holistic way. Yes. Uh, but fundamentally, I'm I'm with Stu, and so. We may be yeah. public enemy n- number one and two.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you might be able to count me as number three there because I'm <laughs> inclined to go with you. You know, I think one of the important um, things to note here is is yes, for Aquinas, the soul is the form of the body; it's a sort of organizing principle. Right. Um, and sometimes when people think of substance dualism um, and the way you kind of describe Descartes' position. Uh, at least the popular understanding of it is not that, right? It is sort of still the ghost in the machine idea. Like we have two fundamentally different things and one sort of inhabits and controls the other, but there's not that sort of deeper, you know, uh, unity for Aquinas's theory is, as, as I understand it has, has really distinct principles, but these principles are deeply interpenetrating and uh and irreducible to one another. But, I'm with you in the sense that w- when I think about it, I would, I, I, and many uh, people following Aquinas do, do classify it as, as dualism. And I'm glad you brought up Dr. Moreland. He, of course, is a contributor to the mining the brain volume. And uh, I just got his other uh, new one on the substance of, con- of consciousness, which is very good as well. So, sorry, kind of a, a technical, you know, uh, in the weeds dispute there. But I I think it's important for this conversation because whatever we say going forward, I guess I'm curious how much of the motivations for substance dualism you think would apply to thinkers in the broadly Aristotelian camp, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, well I just, just to finish up, I some you know, when I try to think about this stuff, you know, if you look at it from the perspective of a naturalist today in today's terms, an atheist, if they were to look at Thomism, it seems to me if, they would regard this debate between Thomas and uh, Descartes or whatever. They would buy very much a kind of this kind of internal dispute. Uh, the people on the outside, I think, would, would clearly see uh, Thomism here, Aquinas, as dualistic in nature. But, uh, so it's an intramural debate at that point uh, to them. And uh, they, they would be opposed to both views because there's something that survives the death of the body. And uh, that's a dualism to these people.
0: Yeah. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as we continue our discussion with Pat, Stu, and Charles. Thanks for listening. And until then, be of good cheer.
2: This has been Mind Matters News. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute.